Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Last year, uh, we the elders gave out a uh, kind of a survey, uh, basically, of how we're doing at uh, serving you and um, just asking for some feedback and things like that. And one of the reoccurring themes that we saw on those uh, surveys that we did get back, uh, people were asking about um, what spiritual gifts are, what their spiritual gift is, how they can know what their spiritual gift is, stuff like that. And uh, so once we finished up teaching here through Colossians, I wanted to take some time and focus in on uh, spiritual gifts, what they are. Now, this is going to be geared a little bit different um, as far as normally what we do, working through an entire passage or through a book. Uh, So it's going to kind of have more of a topical feel towards it. But I don't want you to be disappointed, okay, Um, when we do focus in on a few of the passages that deal with spiritual gifts, we will go through it uh, expository and deal with everything because we want to make sure we have a thorough understanding of uh, what the spiritual gifts are. So we're going to be teaching about spiritual gifts here probably for the next uh, at least 10 weeks. I was looking at uh, my outlines of things that I wanted to go through and I did count up at least 10 weeks. That might stretch in more towards maybe like 15, 16 weeks depending on uh, where, we got, uh, where we go. So we just want to be as methodical and exhaustive as possible and covering the different aspects of what the spiritual gifts are, how they're to be used, and some real practical ways of how you can discover what yours are. Um, now, we're going to be working through some very specific passages each week, and you may find that we will actually be revisiting the same passage again and again, but teaching a different aspect of the spiritual gift. And uh, I say all of that uh, to help you understand that just because we may look at a particular passage for a week or a few weeks uh, on a particular topic relating to spiritual gifts, that doesn't mean that uh, I'm ignoring something that you might think is important or something that you think we should be covering, uh, because I'm sure that we will get there, but uh, just be patient as we try to do this uh, systematically and, and work through these things. So I want to give a challenge to you as we begin looking through some of these things. All of us here, myself included, uh, bring to our fellowship some different backgrounds, teachings, thoughts, opinions, and traditions when it comes to this topic of spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not here to change your thinking. Only God can do that. Um, And he can change us as we yield to him and his word. But um, I want to challenge your thinking. And I think that that's something that's very healthy. A sign of maturity is that we're growing, and this means growing in our understanding of what Scripture teaches or what Scripture does not teach. So if we are working through a passage and it creates some tension uh, that you might have or be experiencing because of a tradition or maybe a teaching that you were taught in one way, that's a good thing, okay? Mike's not up here attacking uh, what you believe. Uh, Mike is just up here going to be teaching what Scripture says. And so if it, it creates that tension, that's a good thing. And 
I want you to be able to grapple with truth. I want you to be able to walk away knowing, saying, okay, this is challenging me. What am I going to do with it? Uh, Scripture says this, and maybe I have a tradition of this or a background of this. What am I going to do with it? And so you're going to have to answer some of those questions on your own. And so I want to encourage you before Sunday each week, pray. Ask God to uh, speak truth to you, teach you, and to challenge you with Scripture. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, is he illumines our minds to what Scripture says. And uh, Jesus even said that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will guide you into truth. And uh, so what I say up here, um, even though I'm going to try to do my best is what Scripture says, I am human. I am not the Holy Spirit. I am not the end all of truth. Um, so, but I want you to dig into Scripture yourself and find out, is that what Scripture really says? That's what we should be doing as body of Christ. Um, so I'm on this journey with you as we study, read, and uh, look at uh, what uh, God's Word says. And we should allow it to shape and mature all of us. So this first couple of weeks, we're going to cover some basics about spiritual gifts. And we're going to address some questions, uh, things that often come up. And there's two reasons for this. One, there are probably some here that may kind of know uh, some things. Uh, Or maybe there might be some here that are kind of new to the faith, or maybe you've kind of gotten serious about studying what God's Word has to say, and maybe some of this stuff is kind of uh, foreign to you. Uh, But secondly, it's always good to remind ourselves as to what Scripture really does say, because as human beings, what we have a tendency to do is to drift away from Scripture, not necessarily go back to Scripture. And so I want to help you uh, understand that of what uh, Scripture says. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Spiritual gifts are a blessing to you and the church. Spiritual gifts are a blessing to you and the church. So from what Scripture teaches here, we're going to answer the first question here. What is a spiritual gift? From what Scripture teaches... The Holy Spirit has many things he is responsible for. We find that he is responsible for how God's word was written down in Scripture through the inspiration. That's 2 Timothy 3.16 and also 2 Peter 1.20-21. He is responsible for when we read the word of God, he illuminates the Scriptures to us by teaching us what Scripture says. That's 1 Corinthians 2.12-14. He is responsible for convicting us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's John 16.8. He is responsible for causing us to be born again. That's John 3, uh, 5 through 8. He is responsible for interceding for us. That's Romans 8, 26 through 27. He is responsible for indwelling in us, John 14, 17. He is responsible for sealing us, Ephesians 1, 13. He is responsible for keeping our inheritance, Ephesians 1, 14. He is responsible for baptizing us in the body of Christ when we, when we become a Christian. That's Romans 6, 3 through 4. And he is responsible for filling us, Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And as we'll be looking at over the next few months here, he is also responsible for giving us spiritual gifts and empowering us to be able to use and utilize those gifts. So what is a spiritual gift? 
Well, Scripture doesn't really give a direct definition. It doesn't say, this is a spiritual gift, you can write it down, this is the whole definition of that. It does, however, give us different parts of the whole. And so by looking at different scriptures, we can see the whole and get a biblical definition. So let's allow scripture to really help us understand what a spiritual gift really is. Now listen to how the Apostle Peter here describes them. First of all, he says here in 1 Peter 4.10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Did you see that? We have this gift that's supposed to be used to be serving one another. So that means that everybody in here, myself included, the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given us are to be used to serve one another. And we're supposed to be using it as a good steward. So that means God has gifted you with something And now you are supposed to steward that as what? Of God's varied grace. And so the Apostle Peter says that spiritual gifts are channels by which God's grace comes to the church. This one another refers to believers in the church. And when a person is using their spiritual gift, God's grace comes through them to bless his people. In fact, the Greek word used for spiritual gifts is the word charisma, which comes from a family of words related to grace and therefore means something like grace gift or free gift. It's not that spiritual gifts don't bless unbelievers because I believe that they do, especially those that have the gift of evangelism. Uh, However, they seem to be primarily given by God to build up the church and he gives them so that we can use them as a good steward of God's varied grace. So let's take a look at these other two scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Now we're trying to get a biblical definition of what a spiritual gift is. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, you want to see God at work, you want to see him doing something wonderful, if you're eager for that, he says, strive to excel in building up the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so Paul explains that that manifestations of the Spirit are given for building up the church and for the common good. Later in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 16, Paul says that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to believers, and because of this, the church is like a body, right? Each one, each person, we have an eye, we have another's the hands, another's the feet, 
Uh, we have up there uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. I want to challenge you to uh, uh, start memorizing that verse, right? God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. And so we think about this body of believers. God has placed within this body the members, every single one of us, just as he wanted it to be. That means that there is nobody in here that is not important. We're all important. Is there any one part of your body that's not important? I mean, we have all these like surgeries sometimes where we're like, oh, I got my appendix out or I got my, you know, this out or all those body parts are important. They're for, they're for a certain purpose, okay? Well, God has certain purpose for all of us within the body of Christ and he has placed us all together. And so it is, he tells us it is one in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 16, it is one and the same spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. For just as the body is one, it has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. In considering the Spirit's distribution of gifts to each believer, Daryl Aaron, who is a theology professor at University of Northwestern in St. Paul, said this, This means God has given each and every Christian a role and responsibility in the body of Christ and the supernatural ability in the form of a spiritual gift or gifts to fulfill it. He knows best how to orchestrate this and we should be content with the gifts he chooses for us. So let's see what else scripture says concerning what a spiritual gift is. We have this one here in Ephesians 4.16. He says, from whom the whole body joined and held together. Notice what he says. Every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, we'll spend some time here in Ephesians in the weeks to come, but the context here that Paul is giving us makes mention of those in the church that have gifts for the purpose of leading and speaking, and the purpose is for maturity in the body. So our spiritual gifts do help the body mature. Here's another one. Romans 12, 1 through 7. Listen to what he says here. Now, most of us are really familiar here with Romans 12, 1 and 2, but the thought of our spiritual worship here is really tied to our spiritual gifts. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And so Paul here is talking about this ability that we are to, as we worship God, we're presenting our bodies to be used by the Spirit of God, and that gifting that we've been given, God is using it, and the result of that is that God is glorified because we are worshiping him by submitting ourselves to what God wants for our lives and to use our bodies to help others grow and mature in the faith. And so the gift is never to draw attention to yourself, but rather as a means to glorify God. And so from these verses, we can gather kind of a biblical definition as to what a spiritual gift really is. So here's a definition of a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are channels by which God's grace comes to the church for the purpose of edifying the believer, maturing the church, and glorifying God. Spiritual gifts are channels by which God's grace comes to the church for the purpose of edifying the believer, maturing the church, and glorifying God. Now, we'll work through this definition in the weeks to come, and I think it'll really help us uh, understand a little bit. But uh, just I, I, right now, I just wanted to introduce it to you uh, for now. So as we consider some more basics, here's the next question. So a spiritual gift, okay, we got that. Let's look at a, another question here. When do we receive spiritual gifts? When do we get them? Well, it's interesting. God's word is not really clear about this. Now, there are two views that uh, are given that people seem to think that when we receive spiritual gifts. Uh, one of them is that we receive gifts at birth. Um, we see that in the, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2. It says that we are his workmanship created in, uh, for good works in Christ Jesus. And he says that these things were done before, like way before. And so uh, some people believe that we have already been gifted with certain things even before we were born. And the moment that we become a believer in Christ then the Holy Spirit begins to use those. So that's one thing uh, people seem to think. The second view is uh, that we receive gifts at salvation. And uh, that view is propagated there, but it says that we are, when we are baptized into the body of Christ, uh, so people think, okay, I've been baptized now into the body of Christ, and so now I have the Holy Spirit, and so therefore now I begin to use some spiritual gifts. And so we don't get those spiritual gifts until salvation. Um, but I say that God's word is not really clear about this. You can't find one verse that actually says, this is when you get spiritual gifts. Here's the second thing. There is evidence, however, that we can receive gifts after salvation. 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul talks about his disciple Timothy and how he received a gift through the elders laying hands on him. He says this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you have, given to you and confirmed by prophetic words when the elders laid hands on you. 
Now, this may be referring to Timothy's ordination by elders in the pastoral ministry. Apparently, he received some type of gift during that prophetic ministry. Paul apparently participated in the impartation of this gift. We see in uh, 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, Because of this, I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. And then we also have some Old Testament examples of this and New Testament examples. For example, uh, Moses and Elijah. Moses received the gift of miracles at his calling to lead Israel. Elijah received the double portion of Elijah's gifts when he replaced Elijah as the chief prophet to Israel. And also the language used in 1 Corinthians about spiritual gifts implies that believers still can receive them after salvation. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12.31. The church was called to be eager for the greater gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14.1, they are also called to be eager for the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so the fact that believers are called to desire them and properly pray for them implies that God may still impart spiritual gifts after our salvation. And so this is a process of growth. I believe that as we are being good stewards of what we've been given, right? If God has given you a spiritual gift and you are being a good steward of it, what do you think he's going to do? He says, I can trust them. I can give them more. But if we are not being good stewards of it, What do you think is going to happen? Remember the parable what Jesus taught? He says, even that which he has will be taken away and given to what? Another. And so if God has gifted us with spiritual gifts, we need to be good stewards of them and using them and using them properly. And if we're not using them properly, then that's not going to help the body of Christ. And so we need to be praying for them. We need to be asking God that uh, he would bless us to be able to, to use them within the church. And so there is evidence that we can receive gifts after salvation. So let's look at the third thing here. What are the gifts? Now we're going to go through this. I'm going to kind of give a, a brief definition of these gifts. And as we work through some of these major passages in Scripture over the weeks to come, we will deal with them a little bit more. But right now, I just want to kind of give you a little brief overview. So what are the spiritual gifts? There are four passages of Scripture in the New Testament that record for us the spiritual gifts. Now, granted, there are certain things, like, for example, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about the gift of singleness, okay? Now, we're not including that here in the list of, of spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, because I believe in that fact, the gift of singleness is the fact that it's not that God necessarily is like, hey, um, you have this spiritual gift of singleness, all right? Now, he says the fact of not being married, okay, or being single, it is a gift because you can serve God more, okay? but uh, not necessarily in the sense that uh, we're going to be including within this, these major lists here uh, that we talk about in Romans and 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter. So we're going to give a definition of these here. So let's look here at the first list, okay? Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. We have encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, and teaching. And by the way, you also see that as we go through these lists, some of these lists overlap, 
some of the gifts are mentioned in other passages as well, the same ones. So let's look at the first one here, encouragement or exhortation. This refers to the ability to encourage and challenge people in their relationship with God. Some people will not grow without being pushed by others. When Paul called the Corinthians spiritual infants, he was using his gift of exhortation. That doesn't sound like exhortation, does it? (laughs) You're nothing but a bunch of babies. Grow up. But that's exhortation. And so he's pushing them to grow up, to mature. And he's using his gift of exhortation. And so he challenged and rebuked them for being worldly, as we see in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. Then we have this spiritual gift of giving. This refers to the ability to live sacrificially and therefore give generously to those in need and to help make disciples in the local church and abroad. Now, giving doesn't always have to be something that is financial, Uh, Some people can give of their time. Some people can give of their talents, things that uh, they're really good at. And so they can help others, advice, whatever it may be, but they just want to give and give and give. And so uh, they can do that uh, generously to those that are in need. Then we have leadership or administration. This is the ability to oversee and administrate in the church, including event planning, overseeing budget, people, developing strategic ministries, etc., etc., etc. Anything that needs somebody to say, hey, I'm going to oversee this, I'm going to take charge of this, I'm going to make sure it gets done. These people are gifted in that, and they can see the end. They can say, all right, this is what has to be done. This person needs to do this. If this person does this, this person will be able to get it done. And so they have that ability to oversee things like that. Then we have the gift of mercy. Mercy refers to the ability to feel and show compassion to those who are suffering or in need. In Acts, Dorcas is an example of someone with this gift. She was known for doing good and helping the poor. We see that in Acts 9.36. Then we have the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy refers to the ability to give a relevant and direct word from God. In the Old Testament prophetic books, we see a lot of foretelling, which is revealing previously unknown information about an individual, people, place, or event. These prophets were God's messengers to speak directly on God's behalf about what would happen. Because we have the complete written revelation of God's word, we don't need people foretelling meaning don't adding to the words of God, taking away from the words of God, because we have the complete written revelation of God. But however, we, the gift of prophecy is still in use in the church through forthtelling. Forthtelling is the properly diagnosing a person or situation and proclaiming an authoritative word from God that instructs or exhorts based on Scripture. In other words, speaking Scripture into a person's life or situation. Forthtelling will never go against Scripture, i.e., God told me to tell you to do something that is unscriptural. God gave me a word to tell you. Okay, what's the word? And it goes completely against Scripture. That is not biblical, okay? That goes against the Word of God. 
So then we have this next one, helps or service. This refers to the ability to discern needs and the willingness to help in various situations. People with this gift are exceptional servants. Then we have the gift of teaching. This refers to the ability to explain Scripture in a clear and understandable way. Here's the next list out of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 8 through 10, and also 28 through 30. We already covered uh, administration there. But we have this next one, discernment. This refers to the ability to discern spirits that are not of God by weighing their fruit against Scripture. Those with this gift have often been called the watchdogs of the church. When members are in danger of accepting hazardous teaching or activities in the church, the watchdogs identify the false spirits or the doctrines and sound the alarm. Because they want to make sure that people aren't driving off the road, right, going off the cliff. Then we have this next uh, one, healing. This refers to a special ability to be used by God to heal those who are sick. When Peter and Paul healed people in Acts, these were manifestations of the gift of healing, as we see in Acts 3, uh, 6, and also Acts 28, 8. Now, although they had the gift of healing, they could not always heal. Examples of this would be, for example, Timothy and also uh, uh, Prophemus. Uh, we see that in uh, 1 Timothy 5.23 and also uh, 2 Timothy 4.20. Healing is always based on the will, the will of God. Does God use people? Yes, he does. Does God heal? Yes, he does. But it's not always the ability, okay, of one to be healed. Uh, think about Paul. Like, here he is. He has the gift of healing, right? Um, and he himself could not heal sometimes. Next one we have is tongues or languages. Now, this one has a lot of controversial baggage. Basically, it refers to the ability to speak a language without any language training, okay? So, for example here, uh, let's see, Sean, can you speak Swahili? Okay, great. Awesome. So it'd be kind of like this. If Sean all of a sudden, let's just say we're in a church service here, and Sean has a word, okay, and he's going to stand up, and he's going to begin speaking Swahili. Not gibberish, Swahili, okay, a known language. And he has no ability whatsoever. He's never studied the language. He never went, took a class, Swahili, you know, 101, none of that. And he just speaks Swahili and he can do it. All right. That's amazing. Right. That's a gift. I also believe that it can refer to people that can actually pick up languages really, really quick. There's some people that can, they can just boom, 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 pick it up. Okay. In Acts, we see it used for the purpose of spreading the gospel to different people groups. The way it was done itself was pretty amazing as well because the apostles there, they're speaking their own language and here's all these different people groups and they hear their, the message in their own language. It was pretty amazing what God did in that. 
Later, we see it being used in the church for the purpose of worship and prayer to God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For the one speaking in a tongue does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands he is speaking mysteries by the Spirit. There is much debate over how this gift manifests. Some only believe it is demonstrated in human languages, as seen in Acts 2, 6 through 11, when the apostles spoke in an unknown yet human languages as they praised God before unbelievers. Others believe tongues refers to a heavenly or angelic language, which can only be understood by one with the gift of interpretation, as what 1 Corinthians 14, 5 teaches, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, and also 1 Corinthians 14.27. Some see both of these possibilities are true manifestations of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 13.1, when Paul talked about the tongues of men and angels, there is some debate if tongues of angels are able to be spoken by humans as well. There is also controversy over how the gift of languages should be used. Apparently, the gift was being abused uh, publicly in the church in Corinth without any interpretation. Therefore, Paul rebukes them in 1 Corinthians 14 and tells them that the gift is ineffective for evangelism as unbelievers who hear the gift will think those speaking are what? Crazy. You're nothing but a bunch of barbarians. He says that in verse 23. And the gift is ineffective for edifying believers is what he says in verses 16 through 17 as they don't know what's being said. Um, Therefore, he tells them to practice this gift silently in church or with interpretation only, verse 27 through 28. For this reason, this gift seems to be primary, a private prayer language. Moving on here, interpretation of tongues or languages refers to the ability to interpret those languages without any previous training. So, for example, okay, let's see, Tim, do you know how to speak Hindi? Okay, great, awesome. All right, so let's just say all of a sudden somebody starts speaking Hindi, and Tim, who has never had any training whatsoever in speaking Hindi, stands up and he says, hey, this is what that person said, and this is exactly the way they're speaking and telling us what we're supposed to be doing. And so he would have that gift to be able to do that. I also, again, believe that it could be somebody that could pick it up, be able to have that ability to pick up that language rather quickly. Then we have this other one, wisdom. Wisdom simply refers to the ability to give intelligent, enlightened counsel. In Scripture, people like Joseph, Solomon, Daniel clearly had this gift as they wisely counseled other people and guided them and other organizations as well. All right, this next one, apostleship. Now, this probably refers to the ability to build and oversee effective ministries for the kingdom. We see in 1 Corinthians 3.10 and also Ephesians 2.20. People with this gift typically serve as missionaries or church planters. They are often multi-gifted. They have a very driven personality to see the very big picture. With that said, the gift of apostleship is different from the gift or from the office of apostle, which was held by a limited number of people in the early church. Mark 3, 13 through 19, 1 Corinthians 15, 7 through 9, and also Revelation 21, 14. 
The original apostles established the foundation of the church through their teaching, mission work, leadership, and writing of scriptures we see in Ephesians 2.20. And to become an apostle, they had to have seen the resurrected Christ. Acts 1, 21 through 25, Acts 10, 39 through 41, Acts uh, 1, or 1 Corinthians 9, 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 7 through 8. They would have to have been chosen by Christ himself for apostleship. That's Mark 3, 14, Luke 6, 13, Acts 1, 2, Acts uh, 1, 24, and Galatians 1, 1. And they would have had to been able to work miracles as a proof, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, and also Matthew 10, 1 through 2. Now, that the foundation of the church has been established, it seems that the office of apostle has ceased, 1 Corinthians 15, 7 through 9. However, the gift of apostleship, I believe, continues. The word apostle in the Greek, apostolos, simply means sent one. Therefore, those who are called, commissioned, and sent by a church or ministry organization to reach people in a local or foreign lands may have the gift of apostleship. And we sometimes use the word instead, what? Missionary today. We don't find the word missionary in the Bible, right? But we do find this idea of apostleship, okay? Here's the next one, faith. Faith refers to the ability to believe God for his promises. These people have an extra, I guess, amount to look at it and say, hey, listen, this is what God says. We're going to believe him and we're going to trust him. Okay? These people have that extra uh, gift of doing that. Then you have this next one, knowledge. Knowledge refers to those who, who seek to know and have the ability to investigate they pursue God's revelation and truth and then have the ability to communicate that knowledge. And so they, they, they're in the scriptures, they're digging deep, they're trying to find out what does that say? What does that word mean? And boy, they sit there and they dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and they pull out all the stuff and they're like, oh boy, this makes sense, yeah. And then they want to share it with others to help them. Here's the next one, miracles. Miracles refers to the ability to do supernatural works. When Moses parted the Red Sea and brought water out of a rock, these acts were manifestations of the gift of miracles. Likewise, when Paul blinded Elimus, the sorcerer, to stop him from hindering God's message, that was a miracle. Okay? That was amazing. That was something... Could not be reproduced, right? It was a miracle. Here's the next one. In Ephesians 4.11, we already covered uh, apostle there. Next thing we have here is pastor. Pastors are shepherds. This refers to the ability to spiritually care for and shepherd God's people. 1 Peter 5.2 calls for the elders to use this spiritual gift to shepherd or pastor the flock. So all the elders should be pastoring or shepherding the flock. Then we have this next one, evangelism. We already covered uh, teaching there. Evangelism. This refers to the ability to share the gospel clearly and comfortably. 
There are some people that are just, they're really good at making conversations with people, asking questions, getting out there and talking with people about Christ, okay? They have that gift of evangelism. Then the last one here, 1 Peter 4, 11, we already covered these two, serving and teaching. Now, it should be noted that many of these gifts are ministries every believer is called to do. For example, all believers are called to evangelize, to be merciful, to serve and teach others. People, however, with these very specific gifts help other believers in the body achieve what, they are all, what all of us are called to do. By being around evangelists, we are challenged to grow in evangelism. By listening to a teacher, it helps us understand and teach scripture as well. And when being around those who are merciful, we learn to care for those who are hurting or in need as well. So when we use our spiritual, when we use our gifts, we either help build the body, and when we don't use our gifts, we weaken the body. Um, Edie in here, she does a lot of uh, stuff with uh, orthopedics, right, type stuff, right? Okay. Now, Edie, if I, if I went and had some surgery done on my knee and, uh, you know, I had the surgery done and everything and I wanted to get back to living my normal lifestyle, what would you recommend that I do? Physical therapy, I got to use it, right? And what if I said, you know, <laughs> physical therapy, man, they're like terrorists, man. They're not therapists. They're terrorists. It doesn't help me at all. And I decided and said, you know what? I'm just not going to go to physical therapy. How's that going to help my knee? Not going to get anywhere. And so, church, this is so important for us as believers in Christ that we use our spiritual gifts to help the body, help build the body, help mature the body, help edify the body. And if we're not using those spiritual gifts and we're relying upon just a few group of select individuals who might be the professionals to say, hey, okay, we, we put you in charge to help us and we're not all participating, the body is going to be very weak. And so all of us in here are important, Okay. And all these gifts either come in one or two ways. They fall in one or two categories, either speaking or serving. And so that's what we're doing. We're either speaking, we're using what God has given us, and we're speaking truth in people's lives, and we're helping each other grow and mature, or we're serving the body and helping us all grow and mature. So these are some basics. Next week, we'll, we're going to cover some more basics and address some other questions. Um, for example, are all the gifts still in use today? I think that that's a real important question to, to answer um, and uh, look at some other things. God, this is what I want you to take away for some application here. God has gifted you with at least one of these spiritual gifts here to help the body grow and mature and edify, okay? He's, he's at least gifted you with at least one, okay? Now, you may not know which one it is, okay? And that's okay, because hopefully as we work through this, this will just kind of help you uh, figure out what, what's going on. But I encourage you to look through the list again. Start asking the questions in your prayers. God, which one have you gifted me with? God, bring opportunities into my life that I can start helping the body of Christ by using my gift. 
It may be that God brings opportunities into your life to help you understand what your spiritual gift is. And if you're not taking notice of those, you're like, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, but God keeps bringing opportunities in your life to help you understand what it is, okay? So I want to help you uh, through all of that, okay? Well, let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.